This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. Brady, are you ready to get into minute number 79 of Jurassic Park? Let's do it. In the previous minutes, Tim and Grant made their way down to the jungle floor below and ended up safely back into the car. As the minute ended, Ellie and Muldoon searched around the T-Rex paddock for any signs of survivors. At 79 minutes, Ellie sees something in the distance. She shines her flashlight onto it and walks close to investigate it. Muldoon does the same in the background. Muldoon lifts up a fallen palm tree leaf and tells Ellie that he thinks he found part of Gennaro, to which Ellie replies, I think this was too. Suddenly we hear the Tyrannosaurus Rex roar in the distance. Muldoon and Ellie look up towards the sound. Ellie says that she thinks it's ahead of them. Muldoon says that it could be anywhere. Muldoon goes on to say that while the fences are down, the T-Rex can wander in and out of any paddock it likes. At 79 minutes and 22 seconds, Ellie and Muldoon hear a groaning sound. Ellie bends down to find Ian Malcolm covered in palm leaves. Malcolm is unconscious. Ellie removes the palm leaf and sees that Ian has tied a belt around his leg to make a tourniquet. She says Ian's name a couple of times in order to wake him. Ian tells Ellie to remind him to thank John for a lovely weekend. Another roar can be heard in the distance. Ellie asks Muldoon if there's any chance of moving Malcolm. Malcolm sits up promptly and says, please, chance it. At 79 minutes and 46 seconds, we cut to a shot of a dirty, crumpled-up brochures. Ellie shines her flashlight onto them and looks over the edge of the paddock for the other tour vehicle. The T-Rex roars again, and thus ends minute 79 of Jurassic Park. I love this minute. Uh, I think it's got some really funny stuff going on. It's some kind of like grim, like dark humor that Steven Spielberg sometimes puts into his movies. That Jurassic Park is really kind of the... Kind of, kind of got a lot of that stuff going on, but uh, I love when they're like, I think this was Gennaro, uh, I think this was as well, <laughs> you know? That's yeah. a really funny moment, and I think my, the part that I think I found the funniest is when, you know, Ellie's asking Muldoon if there's any chance on moving Malcolm. The camera has panned up to the two of them. You know, we've just seen Malcolm kind of like half asleep on the ground. The camera pans up, Ellie says... Uh, you know, there's, is there any chance I'm moving him? And then <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's head just shoots up in a frame and says, no, please, chance it. <laughs> yes. All right. Which, now, until – because you have these clips broken up for us to watch with the captions on. Until today, when I was taking my notes, I have always thought she said – because they hear the T-Rex roar, I always thought she said any chance about running it. And I thought Malcolm leans up and goes, who needs chances? And uh, and I always kind of thought it played in somehow to you know this this sense of like Murphy's Law type thing thing that plays into the chaos theory and that there is no chance you know everything is sort of going to happen the way nature ordains it and so for him to kind of lean up and you know sort of go back on uh, on all those theories jokingly so I always thought it was funny and alas it's not at all what they're saying. Uh, so is this a situation like you and I with our with our with our temple of doom moment? Yes, yes. So go, go ahead. Of. I don't know if we've talked about that on the show before, but just go ahead and explain that to the okay. listening audience here, real quick. So my first uh, you know introduction to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was uh, the fact that our parents uh, recorded it on TV, and that's how we saw it. it was on VHS tape. So I, um, they, they cut out a lot of the violence for it. So instead of seeing Molaram literally put his hand through the guy's chest and pull out his heart, 
Uh, and then the guy looks down and sees that there's, you know, nothing there. For the TV edit, you see him kind of reach for the dude's chest, and that's about as close as it goes. Next thing they cut to is him turning around with a flaming heart, and the guy looks down at his chest, and there's no, like, he hasn't reached through or anything. And sure enough, Molaram holds up the heart and now has all these people in check, all these people under his control by saying, look what I can do. Well, I always thought that it was implied that he was a phony. He was a fraud and was able to somehow pull out a fake flaming heart and hold it up and be like, check it out. And, uh, and that there was no mystical power here. It was all just Mulleron being a fraud. So yeah, of course, and, and that's, that's exactly how I saw it as well, yeah. uh, because it was always just kind of like, you know, Molaram has no mystic mystic power. He's holding all these people under some sort of false pretense that he ha that he's a magician, you know, a sorcerer. He can control him, and it's kind of like Indiana Jones was able to see that from his vantage yeah. point and seeing like this guy has the minds of everybody controlled because of this. And then when I finally saw it unedited, it was the most disappointing thing I, yes. to know that. He actually does have mystic powers. He actually did reach into this guy's heart and pull it out. So um, right. yeah, it's like a misreading of the moment that uh, <laughs> yeah, actually made the movie better. I think you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And you know, granted, not to not to keep going. We'll, we'll leave this to Indiana Jones minute. All of those films deal with mystical powers <laughs> and things like that. So I did say like, okay, well, it fits within the you know the series and everything. But still, I was I was disappointed by the actual thing. But anyway. That's uh, that's that's just one thought on this minute seventy nine. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. That's um. This, so this minute, I I think is very funny. I think the, the the pacing of it, the framing of it. I talked about in a previous episode that Spielberg kind of has this trademark uh, camera work in editing that sometimes reveals jokes. Right? There's kind of like uh, in this movie we talk about how there's there's punchlines written as like a smash cut to another scene. This one, there's no real cuts involved. It's just kind of the framing of everything. So we see at the very beginning Ellie is shining her light and coming over because she sees something, and then we have she, you can see that she's visibly like upset by something off screen. And in the background, you just kind of see this out of focus Muldoon pick up the uh, palm leaf and go like. Uh, yeah. I think this was part of Gennaro, and she's like, yeah. "Yeah, me too." And then it, you know, <clears throat> immediately cuts over to uh, them noticing that uh, that uh, Malcolm is very near to them, and uh, you know, he has that funny little moment where he says, "Remind me to thank John for such a lovely weekend," which yeah. is pretty great. But one thing I really love about this moment we haven't talked about yet is the fact that you hear the Tyrannosaurus Rex off in the distance around there somewhere, and it's kind of this ratcheting up of the tension you know you hear it around somewhere Muldoon makes a statement that it could be she could be wherever she wants she can cross over to another paddock right now there's no electricity to stop her from doing that they're in the most dangerous situation that they could be in and just about you know anywhere in the park right here yeah. on the border of the Tyrannosaurus Rex but you you, you uh, I'm sorry the Tyrannosaurus Rex paddock you still get that sound of her in the distance you know that she's somewhere out there and could be coming up in, in any moment so Love the uh, yeah. what they do with the sound of the Tyrannosaurus Rex here. Okay, so they put a lot of emphasis on the fact that he tied a tourniquet with his belt. And why Why, why do you think there's so much emphasis on that? Uh, because uh, probably that he had the uh, mental capacity in his state to make a tourniquet. I think they just want to point out here that that's why, not, that's why he is not dead. That's why he hasn't bled to death. They also have yeah. to give a reason for why Malcolm is bedridden for the rest of the of the movie you know they want to make yeah. it very clear up front that like oh he was able to make a tourniquet his leg is bad enough to the point that he's going to walk with a limp the rest of his life you know that he is not going to be able to get him walk around with us he's going to be stuck to this one situation and kind of crippled for the rest of the movie uh but they need to to show why he is not dead and you yeah. know it's the okay. quick thinking on ian malcolm's part while he's losing a lot of blood and probably has a broken or fractured leg that he was able to put a tourniquet on uh, so it, 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 it kind of puts him in the situation where he is disabled on the back of the 
uh, of the Jeep here in a minute, you know, like crawling over yeah. them to get away from the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So I think I think so, that's the point of them pointing out, you know, why the tourniquet was involved. Okay. Um, so we get something else kind of strange that happens here. We uh, cut to the brochures all muddied up and spread all over the ground. And I've always, and Ellie runs by them, you know. Uh, I've always thought that was kind of strange that they would put such emphasis on on that and show that. And then I started to think that this, mo- this movie uh, occasionally reminds us of what was to be. And it really adds a very bittersweet sense to the whole thing. Um, later we get when uh, Ellie finds Hammond eating by himself in the kitchen. The scene starts off with this very sentimental music and we see the lunch boxes and the, the plush dolls and the t-shirts and all that. And there's even a moment in... Uh, the Lost World, where Vince Vaughn's character is going through like a, an abandoned building and spots a big ad for Jurassic Park, and it looks very happy and everything. And then in Jurassic World, when the kids are going through the uh, the visitor center and they see the paintings on the wall of the dinosaurs. Um, so I think this is just another one of those examples that uh, kind of adds to that, you know, I don't know, that, that bittersweet feeling that goes through the movie in the sense that like none of this is going to, this would have been great. This would have been so great. And it's all for naught. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a, it was a neat little uh, choice on the filmmaker's part to show that, I think. As let opposed me, to her just running running into the action. Go ahead. Right, yeah. L- 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 let, me, let me ask you about this. We, we get just a couple of sequences in the movie with Ellie and Muldoon. Uh, what, what are mm. your thoughts on them paired up together? Because we, we've talked about how this movie kind of takes the characters and divides them up into, into little pairings, almost like you know an episode of a, mov- of a TV show where two characters lock themselves inside of a broom closet and yeah. have to hash out their problems. <laughs> what, uh, what, what, what is your thinking of the pairing of the two of them together? Well, first off, you're absolutely right. We do get everybody being paired up. I think the, the pairing up of Hammond and Malcolm is hilarious when they're arguing later about the schematics. Um, but it, as far as Muldoon and Ellie are concerned, I think it's badass. I think the two of them were you know, made for just some real go-getters. And they, they go out there and they take things on and they're, um, they have to use their cunning as well as their physical uh, to, to really go out there and get in the the shit, you know, to really get in the mud, to really get in the thick of, of the danger and how just, she has no problem doing that. Muldoon is of course Muldoon. So he's going to do, he's a badass all around, but she's very much like I'm going with him. And yeah, to, to answer your question in so many words, I think it's awesome. I would have loved to have seen more of that. What about you? Yeah, uh, the same thing. I mean, they're definitely the most capable, I think, of surviving. You know, this is the sur- survivalist duo. You've got the hunter Muldoon, and you have Ellie, the person who is like almost the MacGyver of the series in a lot of ways. She yeah, can kind of like yeah. whatever situation she's in, she adapts to immediately and is able to survive with it. Um, but yeah, I think it would have been kind of cooler if this movie was longer. If the two of them got stuck, you yeah. know, further in, in into Jurassic Park and had to get out, you know, it's just kind of the action heroes that they are almost. But it is kind of funny that you know as. as Ready as Muldoon is for the situations, he is not ready for the next time they're hooked up together, you know, watching the Raptors, yeah. that they do get advantage, yeah. you know, take advantage of the situation there and do get him. So, but um, yeah, I, yeah. Lo- I love this minute a lot. I think it's really funny. I think that, um, you know, the, the, the stuff I like the most about this movie is the parts where the people are just out in Jurassic Park trying to survive. You know, Grant and the kids running through the Gallimimus herd, you know, to try to, you know, hide from the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, Muldoon and Ellie kind of out, you know, trying to rescue uh, Malcolm. I think that that's the stuff that I like. The, the adventure aspect of people being in Jurassic Park is the stuff that I like the most about it. That's, and that's what you said in our pilot episode. Was that the thing you take away most from this film is the adventure. 
just being out in the in that wilderness, uh, whether you're running away from dinosaurs or just kind of being in that element. And that's something I think that the other films, um, you know, I was happy to see uh, in, in Jurassic Park 3 was that you have a small group of people trying to make it out in this bush. In The Lost World, we had a big team of people, so I didn't feel like I was really on the, the same sense of adventure and danger. Well, this is a very awesome minute. I love talking about it here. Uh, it's It carries over to the next couple of minutes really well, too. But I don't think I have anything else really to say about this moment in particular. Do you? I do. Um, most of the time in a movie when you cut from one sequence to another, you're switching locations, you're switching groups of people that you're following. And this is a moment where we have three scenes back to back to back with the same people in the same location. And it doesn't feel like it's one continuous thing at all. They break it up perfectly. And it feels like you're watching three different uh, scenes, if you will. What I'm talking about is the moment when Muldoon and Ellie pull up in the Jeep, then the cut when he says, please chance it, and she's running over the, the brochures. And then after that, when they uh, find the, you know, they go down to the Jeep and everything, and then we cut to Malcolm chilling in the back of the Jeep, and you see the T-Rex footprint vibrating. So very interesting. But that is it as far as this uh, minute is concerned for me. All right, well, let's get out of here. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And until next time, hang on to your butts. Hold on, hold on. Okay, let me uh, don't, don't don't cut this out when you edit it. Let's just I'll I'll do it again real quick because right. folks need to know that I get that wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> so, all yeah. right, and until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. All right, cool. I think the guy across the street from me is being robbed. Are you serious? Um, Are there cops over there? No. Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. That's his family.